With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. And most importantly, Happy New Year's. This is our first recording of 2023. Uh, and the year ended with a, uh, a, a historic bang, and we've started right off with even more chaos. Uh, so today is, is January uh, 5th. And it is just absolutely, I would say the news cycles have been chaotic for the last three weeks. Um, everything from, you know, the chicken little, the sky is falling. Uh, we, we saw Solana take a hit of, you know, even when they were down to uh, pretty low, uh, I mean, just another like 30, 40%, you know, decrease, uh, people calling for the, the chain that's going to die, but for no real reason other than the fact they just wanted to attribute it to Sam Bankman and, and some other things. And uh, But more so, I, I think that there's just been a really big chill on the cryptocurrency markets. Uh, from that from that prospect, I, I still look around and see some amazing companies building amazing things on blockchain technologies. And I think it really speaks a lot to the fact that the unregulated side of, of Web3, of blockchain, is the one that's taking the big hit. Uh, that the thought and the theses that it's it's going to be kind of a globally com- globally non compliance you know free for all uh, is being reined in and and it's being really kind of I'd say predicated along the lines of the fact that that so many consumers and retail traders are are having rugs just swept out from underneath them of no fault of their own just because they chose the wrong people uh, to manage their cryptocurrencies and everything else. So that's why it's so uh, amazing to have uh, my guest here today, Sydney Powell with, with Maple Finance. And you know, Sydney, you you have a really storied background uh, both in TradFi as well as DeFi. So I'd love if you don't mind, take a second and just kind of walk us through that background. And then uh, I really am excited to kind of talk about Maple today. Yeah, for sure. And very happy to be here. Uh, so my, my, my background begins a few years back in, uh, in traditional finance and in banking. So I used to work uh, in the banking sector in Australia. I was at, a, at a, uh, one of the commercial banks called uh, NAB. And uh, in the banking sector, I was doing securitization, which really it sounds like a big word, but really what it means is helping lending companies to borrow so that they uh, you know, so that they can create loans, and those could be loans for homes, uh, for cars, for credit cards, personal loans. Uh, it's pretty varied, but securitization just refers to the technology uh, that we used. So I was working on that. That was actually where I first started hearing about uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain. And what I was interested in coming from that background, which is where you're you're dealing with layers of debt that have a lot of conditions associated with them. So what I was interested in when I started learning about smart contracts was a lot of what we do, a lot of what we were doing in banking was a set of if-then statements. And so when I started learning about smart contracts and the, and the concept that you could program money to go certain ways in response to certain triggers being hit, that sounded exactly like what I was already familiar with doing in banking. And so uh, I, I kept tabs on it 
I ended up leaving banking to go and actually work at one of the companies that uh, would have been a client of ours. So that meant going and, and seeing how the sausage was made at a lending company, so to speak. And so we had to then borrow uh, from banks, from uh, debt markets in order to, to uh, create loans ourselves. And so that introduced me to how difficult it is to actually do that in traditional finance. And so that's when I started thinking more realistically about actually using the technology of smart contracts to, you know, create capital markets on top of the blockchain. And so that was then what prompted uh, me and my co-founder, who I used to work with uh, in the finance sector, to, to create Maple. And so the vision with Maple hasn't necessarily been... Um, you know, it hasn't necessarily been that lending should be restricted to crypto or to, or to the blockchain sector. It's that this is a new technology that is going to eventually encompass all of capital markets and that they will move on chain uh, as a bit of a secular trend just because of how good the technology is at managing debt and lending. That's fabulous. And and I love the fact, that, again, that it was a piece of, of technology, you know, an EVM compatible chain. Um, you know, sometimes Bitcoin is is what brings you guys in, and, and I'm sure that you've read the the paper, the white paper, and, and kind of got in, in doubt with it. But that was the same thing for me. I, I thought Bitcoin was interesting. I, I I bought a bunch of them in early 2010. They don't exist anymore because I I what you know I can't claim OG status because I didn't believe long term, and I would have sold them you know when they hit twenty dollars a piece. Uh, to be clear, but but the what really became interesting was when I I started seeing kind of smart contracts. Um, and coming from a big data world of, of exactly what you're saying, these these archaic ERP machines, um, Oracle and AS400s and all this, this garbage that we were running um, since the 80s. And suddenly you go, you know what? It, those people that really understand what, what the immutable part of blockchain can do, as well as the fact that the smart contracts are written, agreed to, and exist on, on chain, it's a huge difference. But it requires, and you can't just, tweak your mind, you have to kind of come over here and come about it from an entirely different section. So I, I love hearing that the people like yourself, like you got it, you understand it, and, and now you've built some amazing things. And it, it, it's interesting because I think it's a lot of people will say, uh, well, you, all the things you can do with, uh, you know, with smart contracts you can do in traditional finance. And it's also true that 200 years ago, you could send a letter from the US to England, it would just take longer to get there. And it's and it's more or less a similar similar concept that when you're doing things at tremendous amount of volumes, speed and automation matter. And what what actually tickled me with uh, with smart contracts was I think it, the value is best illustrated when you start to think of it at immense scales of volume or complexity. And so when I was working in securitization, you know, you might have a structure that could at a pit at a stretch have six or seven tranches of debt. And when I say tranches, I mean, think of like layers of a pancake, which is kind of where the name Maple ended up coming from, was the debt stack versus layers of a pancake. Uh, but with uh, smart contracts, it was possible to envisage a transaction or uh, a debt issuance where you might actually have 1,000 different tranches because there is no marginal cost to tranching and having 999 different layers of debt Whereas in the real world, doing this all in paper, uh, there is a cost to going, you know, more than five or six tranches. And so that would that was how I started to think about it. Was like, what if you could automate this so that you could have, you know, ten times what we could have done before, or a hundred times what we could have done before in terms of scale and, and complexity um, when we we're doing all of this manually uh, or in spreadsheets. And 
it's not necessarily that you're going to get to going to actually get to that level of complexity, but that it's that thought experiment that really highlighted just how much better this technology is. Yeah, and one of the things I like to talk about is that I don't believe that blockchain and and ever all this stuff is really designed for humans. You know, all of the things right. that that you're building and what we're doing is as we look into that long future of you know AI and and a lot of you know more high powered computer programs, you have to have something like blockchain, smart contracts, and everything you're building for them to mm-hmm. actually be able to do their job. Because we can sit around and, and create as much natural language learning as we possibly want, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day. You know, feeding it an AI, you know, 10,000 pages of, of documents and saying, figure it out is very different mm-hmm. than on when you input it saying, this is what I want you to do and tell me if something is violated or, or, or improper and give me the solutions yeah. on how to fix it. And so exactly as you're speaking about the speed and, and the reliability and the redundancy um, are all secondary to the transparency. Um, if I throw around every yes. single buzzword I can come up with, because that's yeah. the biggest thing. Why did Enron and so many of these other people fail? And if we take Enron and we take FTX, I'm so sorry about all this, but if we take Enron and FTX, it took months to understand what was really wrong with Enron and have them fail you know, very ungracefully from there. And it caused a massive reaction because people didn't know for so long. Mm-hmm. From the time that we understood that there was something wrong with FTX towards t- till it got to bankruptcy, was literally days. Um, and yes. I think that that really showcases not not the success of this, but it showcases the power of where we're going is that before something gets too big and, and, and before something gets totally out of control, mm-hmm. we need to have these, these safeguards in place and, and make sure that they're built appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100%, I 100% agree. And I think a lot, you know, what we've watched over the last couple of months since, uh, since uh, November's implosion of FTX has been uh, has been a, co- a bit of a collapse in CFI and in centralized finance, and I think uh, I think the future lies in a bit of bit more of a hybrid and the use of this on-chain technology. So we we talk a lot at Maple about on-chain capital markets, but the fact is, uh, if you look at some of the um, some of the problems that have occurred at CFI lenders, so taking you know the the Gemini Genesis case as an example, what you had was uh, the replacement of a non-performing loan with a new loan that was longer dated, uh, but none of that was visible to any of the people who were, you know, the liability holders and the and the depositors who were financing that. Whereas having uh, loans done on chain, you're going to immediately see anything like that that happens, and so you can always see a lo- see the the performance in real time of a loan portfolio. You can see the the first loss capital of the reserves backing it. And you also have self-custody of your funds, which means you can avoid them being commingled. I think commingling is really one of the root issues that is sort of behind uh, a lot of the, the CFI collapses. It's that you have a lending operation, a trading operation. You might have a loss in one of those parts of the business, but it bleeds over into the other part. Yeah. And, and one thing I, I, love, I would love to hear your thoughts on is I, I feel like we've just made it too fast. We, we've, yeah. we've kind of taken, you know, if you go in TradFi from the time someone says, hey, I would like to invest in ABC to mm-hmm. actually being able to invest in ABC, there's a lot of safeguards. There's a lot of compliance. There's a lot of government agencies and regulation and security that, it, you know, a lot of people think regulation is a horrible thing. It's there. Be- a lot of it's there because like people stole. There was, there, was, there was a fraud. There was cheating. There was everything else. And so I feel like what we did is we took, you know, this, this thing where it's like, hey, I want to invest. And down to this, like we've eliminated every safeguard. 
it's it's almost all gone. And and consumers, let's be clear, right. if everyone was okay with self custody, banks would not exist. But banks exist because people don't want to be responsible for it. They want to walk in and say, "Here's my driver's license. Here's my person. I want to open an account." And if they don't, and if for some reason they lose their checkbook, they, they don't want to say, "Well, I don't have money anymore." <laughs> Or somebody stole a check, they, they want those safeguards in place. And so I really feel like the next iteration we're going to see is very much based on what you guys and how Maple and, and whatnot does, um, which is you're, you're bridging uh, TradFi and DeFi and, and kind of grabbing the best of both worlds. Mm. It is an interesting question there, but, but I, I, I do wonder because the common consensus is that self-custody uh, you know, self won't happen in the future because we're all already so comfortable with banks. But the alternative to having your money at a bank was to have a large sack of cash, which meant you, one, couldn't take it around everywhere because it's a, secu- a security risk, but yeah. two, you couldn't send it overseas. And so digital money was an evolution of a bank account. The bank account came first, and then digital like digital money being able to send it you know, from Australia to the US uh, came after that. But now where you have digital money and the ability to self-custody, it, it is going to be interesting to see whether some people don't actually opt to go back to that, like where you have a private vault, but then you have your, your own hot wallet that you use for transactions. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see. I actually don't know which way it'll go. Uh, hopefully, we can hedge our bets. Yeah, I, I mean, I am all in on, on DeFi, and I, I firmly believe in anything and everything that's there. And I, I don't mean this to knock to my friends at Ledger, but, but this is a terrible terrible solution. This this is the, the equivalent of the 14K modem. Like I understand it's necessary. It's the best thing we have today, but we did not, mm-hmm. the, the, the web did not evolve um, because of 14K modems. It evolved to the point where, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of things you could do. And I, I feel like this is a holdback um, because mm-hmm. I, I've seen so many failures of this, not the device, but of the protocol. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you've got people and you do this, you, you go, you, you see some incredibly, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, competent people that are at, at a conference, um, and they're traveled. They're away from home. We we so happened yeah. to, to be at a conference the week that the Terra Luna was melting down, and I can tell you, I had hundreds of panicked friends that had their ledgers and all their money safe and sound in a vault back home, totally yeah, yeah. unable to access. And so it, it really does break a few things. Um, yeah, but you see this all every day too. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I was, you know, going to share a, not a horror story of my own, but uh, I, I did know somebody who actually had the seed phrase to their ledger was captured in a in a photo when it was written on their desk, and then their iCloud got hacked, and uh, somebody found the picture, grabbed the seed phrase, took took took, took their funds. Uh, so um, there are the yeah the. It happens. Just to the best just, of us. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just agreeing that um, self custody self custody is difficult. But I think you know, interesting solutions like like MPCs and things are um are quite interesting. But I think you know, ultimate ultimately, hopefully, the market can provide a, a solution that, that people like. That's why that's why there are entrepreneurs. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about because um, mm-hmm. Maple, like I said, you guys have been in the news uh, for some amazing mm-hmm. things uh, lately. But also, you've been kind of caught in in a little bit of collateral damage uh, over this last co- you know kind of cycle. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about some of the challenges it's been where like your businesses and theses is valid. You're 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 taking care of your clients' funds and you're appropriately managing loans uh, mm-hmm. based on on current you know normal regulations. What, what's mm-hmm. it like getting caught kind of in the crosswinds of these things? Yeah, so I think with 
with Maple, so with Maple, we we found early product market fit with pools that would lend to one type one type of sector. So market makers, market neutral funds, and that was because they had the largest capital needs in crypto. They weren't readily served by lenders outside of crypto, and uh, in in terms of their operations, they could you know they could grok using a stable coin, and so it kind of tick tick three boxes. And then what we saw was uh, contagion risk following June and July with Celsius and 3AC. The loan book actually weathered remarkably well through that. It only had one $10 million default on $960 million in loans outstanding at the time. So um, as we got through that, we also managed to avoid Alameda uh, pretty well. So uh, there were a few pools that were that had a couple of hundred million in loans outstanding at the time and they had unwound any exposure to alameda but then after ftx they, they got caught with uh two borrowers so one uh one was distressed uh but is actually in in pretty constructive restructuring conversations at the moment and then the other one orthogonal um was uh, had assets held on ftx and uh defaulted as a result of that and so that was that caught the the uh protocol as well as two pools that had been borrowing borrowing from in the crosshairs and so i raised this issue of you know maple is trying to position itself as infrastructure so we we ultimately didn't want to be the lenders ourselves we wanted to create a platform on which people could run a lending business and that lending business takes the form of, of a pool so we had maven 11 credit was one of the delegates who would perform the underwriting and what we saw as uh, as uh orthogonal defaulted was that people uh group the two together so the you know the decision maker approving the loans with the platform on which the loans were originated and so it, it has been a challenge separating the two and saying well maple's technology continues to to perform and to uh to process both loan repayments and withdrawals and uh and also uh you know that we, that we released version two which uh which also addresses some of the pain points that had existed around June and July. And so anyway, all that is to say that uh, there were like there, there were challenges and um, and part of what that has prompted us to do now is to really emphasize as we look in 2023 diversity. So it is going to be a push into real world asset lending. So diverse lending opportunities and a renewed focus on diversifying the number of delegates. Uh, on the platform because we want strong, reputable delegates on the platform, but we don't want to be systemically exposed by having like one delegate who's 90% of all the outstanding loans. And, um, and so that's, that's really come into focus for us for 2023, as well as one third limb, which is uh, continuing to upgrade our technology so that we give delegates the best tools. We again, don't want to, we don't want to change tack and become a lender ourselves. Uh, So it's, giving delegates tools to manage liquidity. We've done that with version two, uh, giving uh, lenders a diverse set of delegates to choose from and real-world asset um, lending opportunities. And so some of those, which I can talk about if, if it's going to be of interest to the audience, are Absolutely. things like reinsurance. Yep. And so, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is something that's very commonly funded in traditional finance. Trade receivables pools, which would be, uh, ex- effectively extending a loan that is collateralized by a bunch of real-world loans that are smaller in size, and again, very common in securitization of traditional markets. And the other one that we're really excited about is bringing treasury yield on-chain. Mm. And that's because what we've noticed is that there's a gap in cash management, 
and a gap in access to low-risk yields on-chain. And so you have a lot of capital that remains on-chain, remains in stablecoins, because, uh, you know, despite uh, despite the space advancing, it's not very porous between on-chain capital and off-chain capital. And so what we're trying to do is offer uh, a lower-risk yield and, and, and way to manage cash. So if you're uh, a yield fund or a Dow Treasury, uh, you can complete KYC, and you will need to complete KYC to access it. But you can therefore get access to a low-risk yield that beats the kind of the 1% that you might get on Aave or Compound, where you're sort of also having to take smart contract risk that is very difficult to, to price or quantify for yourself. You know what I really appreciate about everything you just said <clears throat> is you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You're, you're taking mm-hmm. existing markets, you're taking very you know, institutional products uh, that, that are existed, researched, you know, trillions of dollars in size, and you're quite simply saying, let us help you make these better to manage um, mm-hmm. in a variety of complexes. And, and, and I, I like that. Um, because I've talked to so many people, then they're like, yeah, you know, if you've got it, you're bored ape, you can loan on it and you can do this and you can do all these crazy things. And let's be clear. Yeah. I love the DGENs. Like I love the DGENs. Yeah. I love what they build and, and this space would not be the same without them. And so I, mm. I will always encourage and I will continue to purchase all the random shit coins and, and NFTs I do because I want to play along. I want to understand yeah. where, where that market goes. But when we're talking about like, how do we get from, you know, like we, the cryptocurrency market went from you know kind of a couple hundred, couple hundred billion to three trillion dollars and has come crashing down. Uh, Olympus mm-hmm. Dow went from you know a couple a couple million bucks to to three point four billion dollars and it came crashing down. And I think that mm-hmm. that's really indicative of of the space and and the fact that we're trying to do too much. And so mm-hmm. you know what I'd love to hear just a little bit more expansion on is exactly that that thesis, um, Sydney, which is where we're kind of we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, we just want to mm-hmm. give a better better playground uh, for the institutions to play in. A hundred percent. The way the way that I uh, the way that I describe people, I often often use this metaphor of Shopify, which is that what they did was they took a bunch of different services that you needed to do if you wanted to set up an online e-commerce retailer, and they just turned it into a bundled product that you could use. So payment processing, listing inventory. Uh, you know, dropship fulfillment. And so what we've tried to do with Maple is we're absolutely not saying that you can manage credit risk better on chain. That's not that's not the thesis here. The thesis is that if you can connect sending money with software conditions, then you have an innate advantage. That's that that for me is the advantage of this technology over the conventional tech stack in traditional finance credit funds, which is an Excel spreadsheet and logging into a bank account. And then maybe you occasionally pull a CSV digest and then you match it up with with some VLOOKUPs in Excel. Uh, it's instead saying that, you know, any 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 payment that occurs on chain in a, in a lending business, you can verify, you can see it in real time, you can instantly pull reporting and you can have reports that run in the background all the time that uh, allow you to provide reporting to depositors. It also allows you to set trigger conditions, whether it's to recall a loan if a payment is not met immediately or to liquidate collateral. Uh, And then, you know, as well to to remit payments back to to depositors. That was a bit bit of a, a jumbled description. But what it is to say is that what we are trying to do with Maple and this thesis is 
that we can eliminate a lot of the back and back and middle office functions of a lending business and make them significantly lower cost so that apples to apples, somebody who is using this technology will have a lower cost base. They will be able to operate a similar scale lending business with a much lower uh, footprint in terms of personnel and time. And they'll be able to do that because we've provided a bundled set of software, which combines reporting, loan origination, depositor management, um, and, uh, and reporting uh, all together in a bundled service where they're not investing a fixed cost in, in using it. Instead, it's all a variable cost. Same way that uh, prior to Amazon, you used to have to pay for expensive server racks. And then mm -hmm. following uh, AWS, you could simply spool up the amount that you needed, and then it was just a variable cost of your business. My thesis and, and Maple's thesis overall is that we've actually seen uh, we've seen debt markets contract relative to equity. So if you look back 200 years ago, uh, the great companies of the 1800s, so Standard Oil, uh, you know Carnegie Steel uh, or U.S. Steel they were actually significantly funded in a large part by debt. And what that meant mm -hmm. was that they, as those businesses grew, were forced to uh, watch costs. They were forced to prioritize only new investments which were going to be profitable. And then as we got to the latter half of the 20th century, we saw more of a reliance on equity and venture capital, which meant that people focused less on cost and they were willing to make a, you know, a larger number of bets in the name of growth. I think what we're going to see over the next 10 to 20 years is more of a focus and emphasis on the use of debt by profitable mm. businesses. And so we want to we want to provide a platform that caters to that. And I don't think it's going to be provided by banks. I think it will actually be provided, the micro trend is that it's going to be provided by credit funds and alternative lenders. And so we're trying to provide a product that caters to the macro trend, more debt, um, good debt, uh, and the trend within that, which is that the people who are going to be using it are going to be new credit funds and alternative lenders and we're just trying to give them the tool set to do so and and you know i think the thing that really you didn't speak of um is is the fact that there are so many people around the world that have zero access to to credit yeah. facilities like this and so like if you're in new york city like th this is it's great that you can use this or you may be interested in this but you have a gazillion choices you can walk a block and have 20 different banks um, and 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 do anything you want to do and open an account, close an account, everything you want to do. Um, but depending on where you yeah. live in the world, um, you can have a perfect credit score. You can have all the money you know in in your little bank account, but you don't have access to products like what you're talking about. And if you want to launch a company, um, you know you need access to 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 debt service and financing. Yes, a hundred percent. So there's a real cost to building banking infrastructure. And what I see and what really excites me about you know, Ethereum and, and smart contracts is that it makes banking infrastructure, like the basics of banking infrastructure, so send a payment from point A to point B, uh, accessible globally. And so our thesis is that you can build a number of very profitable businesses and protocols on top of that uh, because that is, therefore, you know, it's like a new layer of infrastructure similar to the electrical grid or the interstate highway system. And we're just building an application that then adds value on top of that. And so, as you said, if you are in some of these regions, um, accessing finance and lending is uh, is not possible. And it's just because, it's not because you're a poor credit. It's just because the infrastructure isn't there to reach you. Sending money, there is a cost to sending money from point A to point B. That's why Visa is a multi-deca you know, multi billion dollar market cap company. And that good, that service 
is uh, is table stakes on Ethereum and in a lot of these new smart contract platforms. Uh, it's just a bundled bundled feature of the of the you know bundled feature of the platform, similar to what Internet Explorer was in um, you know in Windows ninety five. Yeah, and 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 mainstream. I think that's always the goal. I mean, right now, even yeah. with this last bull run, there was no one saying you know we're mainstream today. We had we had mainstream interest, <clears throat> but not mainstream adoption. Yes. And and I I really you know looking at the future, I, I I've read you know quite a bit about Maple, and just as full disclosure, mm-hmm. I, I haven't used Maple, I haven't invested, I, I don't own any coins or anything like that. Um, but I really spend a lot of time looking at those those companies like yours that mm-hmm. that say like the regulations exist. Let's start with those as the rules uh, for the entire game, and let's see how mm-hmm. we can expand on this and, and be more inclusive. And so the thing I really like about the way you guys are coming at this and, and the way this conversation is going is is that this is just kind of your foothold. Um, you went from mm-hmm. V1 to V2. You learned your lessons, and and you know to be clear. You're still on. You're still on Zoom with me. Um, we're still we're still here having this conversation because yeah. I can tell you during over the last quarter there was a lot of people that we had scheduled for the podcast. Um, you can guess the names of of the companies that that they canceled because they no longer exist. Um, yeah. And so you know I, I think it really showcases that that following these rules and regulations and you guys saying we don't want to be a lender we want to be a facility for lenders um, and holding mm-hmm. true to that because you know we'll just say DCG started with a very different thesis than where they ended up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they did that because they felt like, well, no one else is willing to do this, so we'll do it ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a little chaotic world right now that, that anyone that uses those platforms is living with. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, we, we remain as focused as ever. I think, you know, the important thing is, you know, the, the Wright brothers didn't launch a Boeing 747 at Kitty Hawk, right? Like you have to, uh, you have to, you have to build and improve it as you go. And any new technology, uh, needs to be stress tested and battle tested to grow. Um, crypto is not set up to handle, you know, ten trillion dollars of economic value um, at the moment. But the point is that it grows, and we learn from uh, we learn from stress test scenarios like what we saw in June and May with Terra, June with three AC and Celsius, and, and November with FTX, so that we then put appropriate mitigants in place for future and then we get a little bit larger and then we go through another stress test we learn we then get a little bit larger but it's it's you know it's a march of progress you have to stay committed you have to be willing to kind of take you know take the painful times yeah and 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 you know there's some people that their theses was entirely invalidated during this last Mm. bull they they believed just because it's on blockchain and i sprinkle a little you know Pixie dust mm. on it. It's the it, the value is going to go up forever. Um, and the reality is, no. It's just as susceptible as traditional markets. Digital scarcity is, is mm. you know, not not as important in, to some people as, as everyone thought when it comes when it comes to real world issues of mm. can I feed my family, can I pay my mortgage, and, and other things. And so, very quickly, those uh, PFP projects went away. Um, I, I'd love to hear your your thoughts around you know because you guys are on Ethereum and Solana. Um, yeah. I'd just love to hear your your thoughts about blockchain technology overall. Um, some of the bigger pain points that the developers and, and the communities that we speak to um, really should put a little bit more time and energy into focusing. Um, my my personal too is is wallets, uh, bridges, and oracles mm-hmm. need need a lot of work. Uh, bridges, in fact, I think are are horrible uh, today. But I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts and, and a little bit of why. Yeah, so I think uh, Wallace Bridges and, and Oracles are, are very good examples. The two that have stood out most to us uh, in our you know in our position as a, as a lending platform and, and protocol have been 
uh, uh, wallets. So, but specifically MPC. So, when we deal with institutions who are handling hundreds of millions of dollars and they want to deploy that, uh, they do so through an MPC wallet because they need to put policies and, and guardrails in place so that they don't have somebody who controls a key and sends it off to a to a wallet in uh, in you know Tahiti or Bermuda. And so or, that's or that was number one. Yeah, or Seychelles. Uh, and so that was number one. And then the other one was on and off ramps. So, you know, tangential to wallets. But if uh, Maple's vision is to be capital markets infrastructure, not just for crypto companies, but for any innovative companies. And so if I go to a SaaS business that doesn't touch crypto regularly and say, you know, you could you could take out a loan in USDC, the first thing they say was, well, how am I going to pay payroll in USDC? Now, we, we do do a bit of that. Uh, but uh, it's definitely not mainstream business practice. And, uh, and so what we need is, is more adoption of on and off ramps. And so I was uh, overjoyed when I saw that Apple is accepting USDC settlements because it means, you know, if, if you, if basically if, if you have a, a digital version of the US dollar that's much easier to use, I think naturally usage is going to proliferate. And so I think that will, you know, a few years from now be, be the mainstay. Uh, but what it does is if a company can accept revenues from its customers in USDC, then they can also borrow and make interest payments in USDC. And so that's a, a huge enabler for us in terms of adoption. And so applying that back to the other question you mentioned, which was how do we think about blockchain technology in terms of layer ones? If I were a new project today, I would pay the most attention to the building blocks that I then need in, in across my workflow to reach my customers. So you know, as I said, we needed MPC wallets. We also need on and off ramps to be able to reach a wide number of customers. So if there were a fantastic new L1 blockchain that was super fast um, mm. and had all the other bells and whistles, but they did not have that infrastructure, which was one of the challenges we faced when we first went on to Solana, uh, that's something I would think really hard about in terms of making that decision. And so, um, yeah, so so it's kind of boring, but I would encourage anyone who's building a new project to to think of the infrastructure that will support their product. Yeah, and and I and I really love that. And and just as a quick note, I don't think I've talked about it much. The original theses and why why whales got started, you know, over two years ago was a very simple question: How do you get eight mm-hmm. figures into into cryptocurrencies? And yeah, right. and and you, tell me how hard that is to do. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's incredibly hard because as soon as you transfer any money, you you get instant questions about having to prove the source of funds, and then you know, good luck telling people that you you know you took venture a venture investment from you know crypto venture funds or that or that the the source of funds is is crypto. It's um it's easier today certainly than it was um uh, previously, but it still remains tremendously difficult. Yeah, and, and if we're sitting here saying the world is going to digitize and everything's going to go mm. in, into blockchain, and we're not saying which blockchain, you know, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of trillions of dollars, and we just saw mm. a failure when we when we hit three trillion because people were like, oh shit, let's 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 run, or or they yeah. they they kind of did too many uh, weird things with leverage and, and all sorts yeah. of stuff, um, and too fast and too quick. Yeah, that that is one of the reasons we're trying to bring, uh, you know, treasury or or low risk yields on chain, so that people, because that that barrier between, you know, fiat and uh, crypto or stable coins is still not porous enough yet. So a lot of people are incurring huge cost or slippage going between the two. And so, the thesis with that pool idea is 
if we can operationalize it and put in place great operational risk controls that other people can't afford to do themselves and then have uh, you know the, the brokerage and the, and the and the banking relationships so that you can send you know 50 million dollars in and out easily with low cost then you know would people want to want to keep their funds on chain uh, or be encouraged to keep more funds on chain um, I, ho- I hope so I mean we're building it so that you know we could use it ourselves yeah and and I, I think that the biggest consumers that are, are, are users of DeFi that desperately want DeFi to work and they want it to be right. Mm. Is TradFi? I, I think that yes. if you had, if there was a product out there that that everyone from Bank of America to to even, I know we know Fidelity is doing a little bit, but let's be clear mm-hmm. they're 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 scratching the surface and testing things. But if there mm-hmm. was a product that existed that that you know the custody was safe, transparency was there, the KYC and AML and all the regulations kind of fit in, as well as those smart contracts were validated, verified, <clears throat> you're you're going to see TradFi the the big institutions being the largest consumer of that product. And retailers will will get the benefit of, it. Um, but right now it's being right. led by by retail, and and they're trying to force TradFi to come back over kicking and screaming when they know it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know you, you kind of alluded to before that like you know regulation is going to be here, and one of the one of the one of the trends I have seen emerging is you you have these kind of two tracks of DeFi. You have the the the, the DGen DeFi, and then you you now have more options in, in what you'd call institutional or, or permissioned DeFi, where, you know, you have KYC policies applied, uh, you know, you, you, you have uh, gating and you have, uh, you know, you, you have it catering to institutions who want to know who else is in the pool that they're in and that KYC has been completed. And and I think that's good for the space because we, it, the more volumes we have in, you know, yeah. insurance is not going to be provided by self-insuring retail uh, users. Instead, you need you need that kind of balance sheet heft to provide insurance to come from institutions, and we need those core building blocks like insurance, lending, and borrowing um, in order for this space to really evolve. Everything else builds out from those primitives. Yeah, it, it you know it really is. Um when you look at where the roadmap can go for blockchain, it, it's going to look a little boring when you look at it through, through an institution's eyes. But, but yeah. that doesn't mean that all of blockchain and all of Web3 has to be boring, but we have to have that core fundamental. Like, mm-hmm. let's just focus exactly as you're talking about with these real world assets and what you're doing. Let's just focus on just getting to these assets to sit as stable on blockchain as they do in a paper vault at a bank. And if we can make it make them feel that secure over over a three to five year period, then then you're going to see the bitcoins, you know, hitting yeah. the, the the hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. Well, put it um, just to just to riff on that. I mean, one of the one of the ideas we're kind of excited about is could you could you have insurance, you know, similar to FDIC, but for exchange accounts? So small mm-hmm. retail could could potentially have an exchange account insured for up to I don't know small amount. But enough to cover most retail users, like 10k or 20k yeah. or something. That's a boring product. That's insurance. But doing that and providing that and finding a way to craft that product and offer it within the space will make your average retail user that much more comfortable um, that they're not going to get scammed, that they're not going to get rugged, and it promotes uh, best practice and transparency at the exchange that needs to qualify for that insurance policy because then they have to go through DD. Or else they won't get underwritten, and so I think that just promotes better practices, and it also makes it safer 
and therefore safer for retail and therefore retail people will be more willing to participate but it's um you know ostensibly it is a boring product you know insurance boring is fine boring it yeah. like like it, it's it doesn't have to be um it's, you know a thrill ride it during a bull i get yeah. we all love it but mm-hmm. this is the flip side of it yeah i was gonna i was gonna say i uh, i i wouldn't be unhappy if 2023 was a little bit more boring than 2022 was yeah, I'll I'll throw my my New Year's prediction out here, and that is the we will see. A, a, of course, there's going to be another bull, and and shockingly, it's going to be tied to the Bitcoin having. Um, mm-hmm. But in between now and then, you're going to see a very different uh, Web three blockchain infrastructure world um, that is very much uh, more looks and acts and, and sounds a lot more like traditional banks around the world than it does mm-hmm. the the you know wounds. Terra Luna, stablecoin, chaotic nightmares, and the Genesis and and uh, you know kind of random random APIs that they do. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I tend to. What's, what's, what's your predi- see- what's your predictions? Let's hear them. Come on, I gave mine. Uh, I was going to say so. I, I think uh, people will shift more back towards debt than than um, than venture equity overall. So I think that that'll be kind of a macro trend. But I think what you'll see is actually the fact that there is a lack of great risk-adjusted yields uh, on-chain will prompt, will actually prompt more TradFi institutions to start to come into this space because they'll see that they could potentially borrow a source capital at, you know, 1% or 2% less than what they can in traditional markets. That bringing institutions in will start to promote more adoption. Um, and uh, it's something that wasn't possible 12 or 24 months ago because TradFi yields are so much lower than DeFi yields uh, or on-chain yields. So I think those those are a couple of predictions. Um, and uh, and I think the other one would, would actually be like if we could see something like, you know, an, an exchange-insured account, then it would be, uh, it would be you know, bullish, bullish for more retail adoption as well. Love it. Love it. Um, so, Sydney, as we, we kind of wrap this thing to the close, any other thoughts uh, just for anyone, you know, a, a little bit about Maple? I know you got a great roadmap going on. Where can they find you? Um, and then just kind of for entrepreneurs in the space, any any thoughts about people that want to enter into uh, and build, you know, in, inside of a blockchain or Web3 uh, business? Any thoughts of just kind of a, here, mm. here's the mindset to be in? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I think, it, you know, we, we have, uh, we just released V2. Uh, and then now our focus for 2023 is on more diverse lending opportunities, bringing on more uh, reputable delegates. So um, a core thesis is really that we're going to build capital markets infrastructure so that reputable delegates can run uh, innovative lending strategies, which are going to be available to you know to to institutions on chain. Uh, and so that means more diverse uh, pools, real world assets. Uh, more delegates on the platform, and then continuing to try and build tools. So we're going to try and build an SDK, um, active collateral management, which would be with like a, a regulated custodian. Um, but anyway, more of those tools for institutions. Where can people find out more about us? So maple.finance, we're at maplefinance uh, on Twitter, which is probably the best place to hit us up for announcements. And we try and do a monthly community call as well. Uh, what would I, what advice would I give to, to a new entrepreneur kind of entering the space? I think... Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, critiques of the space, but it's still a very we we are still very early, and this is a great time to get in. Uh, I think that what an entrepreneur should think of when they when they try and enter the space is don't necessarily think of like a push factor, like I want to build a derivative on chain or some other 
just funky technology. Instead, try and think of a pull factor. Like what is something they want to see that is not being served at the moment? Because ultimately, I think those are the sources of the best ideas and uh, the ones where you'll actually have an edge. A lot of people during during bull market times were pushing, uh, you know, it was, I, I have an idea for a new technology and there was plenty of abundant funding. Now, an idea needs to have a viable path to be natively profitable very early on in, in the current environment. And so I'd say focus on the focus on the pull factors. Don't get despondent. Remain positive. I think um, you know, a couple of books I like, a couple of books I enjoyed reading over uh, 2022 as the volatility were happening were like Man's Search for Meaning, um, uh, you know, Letters Letters from a Stoic, and and, and some of the some of the more philosophical stuff to just kind of put things in perspective. So. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my advice to anyone. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, Wales, this is Sydney Powell with Maple Finance. Uh, I absolutely encourage you just to check out their 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 projects, their products. Uh, they do, you guys do a great job on on kind of not uh, blogging's an old world, but you guys put out put out a lot of content talking about the industry um, from a very inter- interesting perspective. So I thank you for so much for your time, um, and uh, looking forward to to connecting uh, here in the near future. Why Wales? That's uh, Maple Finance, Sydney Powell. See you soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Why Wales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner, with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Wales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.